Welcome to the Sand Hills Media Ministry. We hope this production encourages and challenges you to live a more Christ-centered life. Hey, welcome to episode two of season three of the Sand Hills podcast. We're very excited for this conversation. If you're looking at your calendars at all, you saw that this past Monday was Columbus Day slash Indigenous Peoples Day. And so we wanted to talk about that as we focus on the season of current events. We thought, man, well, if it's on the calendar, it's certainly current. So let's talk about this and to have this conversation about, well, what does historical reconciliation look like and how can Christians step into these conversations from a Christ-centered perspective and not an ideological one? So we brought in Malcolm Walls, who's the pastor here at Sandhills over Outreach, to have this conversation with us. And we are excited for this conversation to be a part of the Sandhills podcast. No, the only time you're really going to be free and fulfilled is when, as a created being, you begin to walk in the way that he's created you to operate. But what you do need to do is just be a faithful representation of what you believe. Live it, live it boldly, don't hedge on anything, and just simply be who you are for the sake of Christ and the gospel and the church. And don't think about it in terms of like, did I make sure that they understood that I think they're wrong? In every generation, we need to evangelize the church. There is no Christian culture. Christianity is the message of God's Son sacrificed on the cross for our salvation. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is, are we going to choose him or not? And I often tell people, people don't leave church because of God. Mm -hmm. They leave because of other people. Okay, so this topic, so we just had Columbus Day slash Indigenous Peoples Day slash Apple didn't change the name on my iPhone day. And so it was both. You and had I to edit like, it. I, well, I didn't. I just chose not to do anything with it because I was like, I don't know if I'm supposed to do anything with this or if I'm not or if right. I'm just letting Apple do it. And Is so it, I, but, yeah. I, but I saw that. I'm like, that's interesting that because I thought if some if there were to be a change that it would have been like this is it now. Right. We're not even going to reference that it used to be called Columbus Day right. and that it's Indigenous Peoples Day. And so that happened this Monday. So this podcast is going to be released on Tuesday, right? So this would be like a week ago for mm -hmm. those of you guys listening. But we wanted to talk about this because, again, this season's all about talking about current events. And I was like, this could be really interesting to talk about. And so I was wondering, Malcolm, what, what did you grow up hearing about Columbus? I mean, for me... Columbus wasn't a wasn't a hot topic outside mm -hmm. of the classroom. And it was something just brushed over. I think what was it, uh, 1492, somewhere in there, Columbus discovered sailed the ocean blue. Sailed the ocean blue. I mean, there was no mention of really Native Americans being here mm. when he got here. He just kind of showed it's up. Like they kind of just showed up, like you know, people in the Bible just pop up. It's like, oh, these people are here. They're here. You're like, what? There were people there. So yeah. It was just kind of glossed over, and that mm -hmm. was it. Because for me, like, it came up all the time in school. Mm -hmm. And and so, like, you'd have Columbus Day, and then they would end up bringing it up for, like, Thanksgiving, talking about, like, the pilgrims and talking about settling North America. And it was just really interesting how much it was talked about and, like, how, like, he was really, like, deified. Yes. Yeah. I agree I, with that. Like, this is, like, he was a big deal, you know? Mm -hmm. and. And so it's really interesting because like you didn't grow up really hearing about it much in school. I grew up hearing about it a lot in school. Yeah. And now I was just talking with Sonia and she was telling me about how her kids, they were talking about it in their school. 
And now it's the exact opposite of what I learned about, where it's like, yo, this guy was a tyrant. He was horrific. He was a slave trader. He was abusive. He was a murderer. Like, so it's like totally different right. stories. Right. And I feel like as we talk about this subject, people kind of feel hoodwinked <laughs> with history. Where they're like, wait a second. If this has been in the history books the whole time, but then you were telling me something else from a history book, what's right. what am I supposed to believe? Right. Right. It's a different narrative. Right? And 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 that's the weird thing. It's like, okay, do we believe Columbus the version of him now mm-hmm. or the version of him previous years? Mm-hmm. And here's the thing, if we believe it now, then what else has been written in history that needs to be rewritten? Exactly. So it, it calls into question a lot of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm excited for this conversation because we're going to get into the topic of something that either on, on one side of the, the American spectrum, someone is either all for historical reconciliation and looking back at history, or on the other side, it's like, no, we're not bringing it up, period. Right. We're just going to keep going with that. So th- this will be a good conversation. Kind of kind of touches on that. Well, I'm excited to be here, man. Let's let's rock out. Let's do it. So this image, um, which I sent to you, and I don't know if this is even going to help if I point it at the camera like this, but I'm going to paint a picture for our audio listeners. Uh, so this is a painting by uh, Luigi Gregori from between 1882 and 84, and it is this beautiful, ornate painting. It has Columbus in this, like, shining pink outfit. And behind him is a massive cross. And behind him is an army of uh, settlers. And in front of him are what could probably be best described as what would be like savages, right? These are people in very little clothing. They are, they, their hair is disheveled. They're using stone tools. They're bowing down in front of Columbus. They're in awe of him. And the, sh- the light is shining on Columbus and the cross. And his arms are spread out. Much like it would look like for someone proclaiming or like the way that Jesus is set up in paintings like yeah. this. And so, th- and you see, this was in Notre Dame's uh, like most important, sc- like the only school building they had for a while. The founder of Notre Dame wrote a letter to the Pope's painter, which was Luigi. and was like, yo, can you come down and paint me? some scenes of Columbus's life because he's so important to the Catholic faith into North America. And so he comes down and this is in the school. These are covered up now in the school. So they didn't take the, they didn't take them down, but they just covered them and they're only on display twice a year now. So they literally have just covered up this part of the school's history. And you can find all this at notredame.edu. This is where I got all this and it's labeled Columbus historic voyage. So you see this image in this and, and there are 11 other depictions of Columbus life. And these images shaped the ideals of one of the greatest and wealthiest universities in the United States, one of the most influential universities. And so, like we were talking about a second ago, you have to think, what stories were we telling ourselves and how did they influence us today? And so now we get a very different look at what's going on. I mean, we even live in Columbia, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Name, it was the first city in the United States named after Columbus. Isn't that crazy? And it beat out Washington by popular vote. Yeah. So we thought some Spanish dude or the founder of the country, we're going to go with the Spanish dude. Right. And it's just like, what? <laughs> the stories are crazy. And so what, what do you think of Columbus now? What do you think now? You know, when I think about that, that image and 
you know, in that picture, you see the cross is prominent. Mm -hmm. And it just shows how people will do things in God's name where maybe, in fact, God has nothing to do with it. Mm. He allows it through his permissive will. Mm. And I think of how much has been done in God's name, how many atrocities have been committed in God's name. Mm. And so in that picture, you see this person bowing down, and it's strange because you begin to see the beginning of one group being in subjugation to another group. Mm. You see it as if we want to take uh, these people who are quote unquote savages mm -hmm. and, you know, colonialize them or, or make them, you know, better. Correct as if, them. Or correct them if it, mm -hmm. as if we're better than them. And so everybody in the picture, you have the, the shiny suits and things. They're all well dressed and it looks like people are in awe of them. Mm -hmm. And and there's this almost like Messiah complex. Yeah. And, and what I've come to realize is that um, you know, there's this, this, this aspect of Columbus now that we're realizing that he's just sinful mm. and that you can take people with the best intentions, but they're still sinful. There's still some sin yeah. in them. And so, but that's what we do. That's what we do as Christians. We will exalt the created over the creator, mm. um, and, and what results in that is that we see what follows after the quote-unquote discovery of the newfound land, America. So, yeah. so when I see that picture, it really kind of shapes what Western Christianity will start to become. Yeah, It's about, you know, hey, we do this in the name of Christ, and look at us. Mm. Look at how wealthy we are. How powerful. Right, and bow down, but you can be like that. Because mm -hmm. that's what the kingdom of God is like. Mm. But that's not what the kingdom of God is like. Right. Right. Exactly. And, and, and one of the things that was so disturbing to me in the, in the historical, historical account, excuse me, was the reason that they were forcing conversion on the native population was so they could work them to death and feel okay when they died from intense labor. Because they're like, oh, well, they're going to heaven. Right. That was the whole that was their whole mindset. It wasn't like that they actually cared for the salvation. Right. They cared for their profit margin right. and and being able to feel good at night when they're laying on their, mm -hmm. you know, thousand thread count pillow from the the labor of these right. people when they're dead and being like, Oh, well they're in heaven, so it's all good. We did them a favor. Right. Yeah. So so there's this thing where so in fourteen ninety three, um, there was something called the doctrine of discovery mm. where it gave um, Christians permission to take land if it wasn't Christian owned or occupied. Wow. And it was totally justified. You know, as Christians, we have the right to do this. So think about that. Wow. As Christians, we have the right to go in and take something from somebody steal else. It. Steal it. Well, if, against one of the Ten Commandments. Right. <laughs> if you don't believe what we believe. Man. And, and so think about what that does and it fuels just mm -hmm. this this visceral behavior from people. And so what you have are people who think, again, I'll say it again, who have quote-unquote good intentions, mm -hmm. but yet in their sinful humanity, they're not really helping the people. Mm. They're hindering them and also putting a yoke on them that's not fair. 
you know, it's totally unjust. Mm-hmm. And and so that that and that's the issue now that we see within the fabric of our country, even though as great as our country is, mm-hmm. and I think will continue to be, it truly is founded upon thievery. Yeah. Yeah. In the name of God. Mm-hmm. And and people don't want to be honest about that. And it's like, hey, but there are a lot of things that we do with good intentions yeah. in the name of God. And God is like, I ain't got to do with that. Mm-hmm. Don't put my name on that. Mm-hmm. But we always do it. Yeah. And then, and when we do that, when we get pushed back, say, well, God told me to do that. So your issue's not with me, it's with him. But no, God told us we need to be good stewards, mm. not just of the land, but of one another. Mm. And we see here in that picture and what Columbus Day kind of represents is that we're not being good stewards. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. And so then that that gets us to the conversation of a lot of people hearing about these narratives, right, and saying, well, let's go back and rewrite the history books and change what's on the shelves of these schools. How do you think Christians can play a part in this conversation? Well, I think the issue is, I think about my own children. I would love to rewrite their story as they get older. Mm. If I can go and just change their lives, right? Take out all the bad parts mm-hmm. and rewrite it. But for whatever reason, God allowed those bad things to happen because it's proven that in suffering, God is glorified and things happen in suffering. Mm-hmm. And so we can go back and change the narrative. Doesn't necessarily mean we've changed the heart of people. Mm. And that's what we always want to do. Well, let's change the story. And that makes it all better. And the truth is, no, you got to change the heart. It's a heart condition that created the false narrative. Right. It's the heart condition that changes the narrative. Mm-hmm. Because we want to say, well, see, those people are bad. Those, none of us are righteous. The Bible says that. Mm. And so we, we get this spiritual amnesia and think, well, if we just change the story, it makes it all better. There are things in my life, I'm pretty sure in your life, that we would love to change. But if we change those things, we may not be sitting here. All right. So let's say, for, for example, if, let's say if the story did change. I'm, we may not have, I may not have been born in America. Hmm. I may have not benefited from certain things in this country. Mm-hmm. And so God allowed it. But yet at the same time, the Bible says, he works everything out for the good of those who love him, those who have been called according to his purpose. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, to rewrite it doesn't really change the hearts of people. The other thing is this, but when you rewrite it, as I mentioned earlier, now you got to go back and rewrite a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. So there's an admission that comes in rewriting the story mm. that we have to admit that there are other stories mm-hmm. that have some significant, important details that are missing. And if we begin to rewrite those, now there are those in the majority culture that have to admit, okay, we messed this thing up. Mm-hmm. Our, our forefathers have messed this thing up. And so I don't know if people want to admit that because now we're talking about confession. People hate confessing. Nobody wants to confess. Mm-hmm. And here's the other thing. that if people confess and other people have to forgive. Mm-hmm. That, an enemy doesn't want that. He doesn't want you to confess. He doesn't want the other person doesn't to forgive. Doesn't want the other person to forgive. Mm-hmm. So we always live in this tension. Right. So this, we Which just give it. boiling over. Right. Yeah. Isn't, so Columbus and the history of it is nothing new in terms of those who were alert to the truth. 
But now everybody's starting to kind of become aware of it. Mm-hmm. You have people that say, well, let's just keep it the way it is. And other people are like, no, not so much. Let's change the story. Mm. But the heart didn't change of people today, even if you change the story. Right. So, yeah. Because then even in changing the story, sometimes that's trying to write a new narrative of power and power structures. Right. right? And right. so it seems like, really, I mean, the, be- <laughs> the best thing is to have just the whole truth. Talk about some good aspects. Talk about the bad aspects. Right. Talk about what happened. How it affected people, the fallout of those things, the good, the bad, the ugly. Right. Instead of just saying, well, we're just going we're gonna to call this one good and we're only going to focus on this. Or we're going to call this actually good and we're going to focus on this. Right. Yeah, man. And, 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 and you think about going back and looking at history and you were just talking about that, asking for forgiveness for past wrongs. And it's so fascinating to me that people have so much issue with that. Because we as Christians do that in our own life. Right. When when I became like when I was like, man, my life's got to change for Christ, I went back to people from years ago and I was like, I am sorry. Mm-hmm. I messed up big time. Like I I did not treat you well. I did yes. not honor you. I did not love you. Yes. I've hurt you. I know you're still working through that. Yeah. And I'm sorry. And I want yeah. you to know that that Christ has changed me, right? And so we do that in yeah. our own narrative, yep. right? Yeah, no. Aug- Augustine of Hippo spent an entire few years writing a book about every single sin that he had committed before becoming a Christian because he wanted to seek forgiveness for them. Right. But then we talk on a national stage, and we're like, nope, doesn't need to happen. But we can see the truth of how healing it is mm-hmm. to go back and say, I'm sorry. Because I've experienced that healing. It's freeing. Yeah, but... Let me let me interject here. The one thing that you had mm. that allowed you to do that was the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so we're talking about a nation where everybody doesn't have the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that, and that's what makes confessing so hard, because without the Holy Spirit, you're still totally consumed with self. Yeah, and your rights, your preferences, how you see the world, the narrative that you created for yourself for others, and so there is nothing within you that convicts you to make you want Mm. to go to someone else and say, this is what I've done. Forgive me. I'm sorry. Mm. Right? But what we have as Christians is the Holy Spirit. And so the issue is then for us as Christians, will we quench the Holy Spirit for the sake of self-preservation, self-trust, pride? Mm -hmm. Or we say, you know what, Lord, take control. And I'll confess whatever I need to confess for the sake of reconciliation so that my brothers and sisters who are different than me, look different, act different, vote different, we can come together and truly be one. Mm -hmm. The world is going to do what the world is going to do because they're missing that key element, which is the spirit, which they can only get through faith in Christ. Right. So we have to be that witness to them. Say, this is how you do it. Yeah. And and so I think that's, that's critical. But that confession, and you think about Nehemiah. In the beginning of Nehemiah, when he confesses, he doesn't just confess for himself. He confesses for those who come before him. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is what we've done. Yeah, that's absolutely right. He owned it. And that's what we got to do. As, as, as Christians, we got to just say, look, we got to own it. We've participated in this. Whether, you know, we should have been talking about this years ago. Right. And now it's just coming out. If we're going to be the protectors and defenders of truth and the proclaimers of truth, we got to be proclaimers of truth. 
and not just selective truth. Right. It's the truth of the history of this country, the truth of the gospel, and how the gospel can take that history and redirect it and give us a better ending to the story. Right. So, yeah. Absolutely. And and one of the things that we talk about, one of the reasons why it's so with why we're focusing on current events mm-hmm. in this season, right? And Jeff talked about this in last week's episode with the border crisis. He talked about how Christians have the privilege of influencing the nation right. through voting in this country. You got the freedom to vote. Whether you want to be public or private about it, it's a private ballot. You can, you know, you can do it quietly. Right. Right. But we live in a very loud society. Right. But one of the interesting things is you're talking about, you know, we're talking about a nation that doesn't have a spirit of conviction, but Christians who do. Where the Christians who have that spirit of conviction can influence the decisions, right? Right. And so then the question is, you know, a lot of people say, you know, use your Christian voice to influence this kind of legislation or this kind of legislation. But when it comes to legislations that talk about forgiveness or things like that, it starts to get a little quieter. Oh, yeah. And that's interesting because as Christians, we should be the ones who are going, Forgiveness is the best. Reconciliation is the best thing because we've experienced that with our Savior. Mm-hmm. We've experienced that with our neighbors. We've experienced that in community. Yeah. We should be the ones leading the charge and like, yes, let's acknowledge past sin so we can walk in present restoration. Right. Amen. But again, as you've been going over, as you went on, went through Galatians, you know, with the young adults, mm-hmm. you got the spirit and the flesh warned against each other. Mm-hmm. And so that minute you want to confess or that meaning you want to forgive, there's always this little voice that says, okay, now if you do that, you know people are going to think about you. They're going to think you're a racist. They're going to think you're a sellout. Mm-hmm. They're going to think you're this, and now all of a sudden you want forgiveness. They're going to think your parents or your parents' parents or your great-great-great-grandparents were this and that, or they're going to think you know, you're an Uncle Tom or something like that. They, mm-hmm. Don't do that. And so we cower back out of fear, fear of being labeled, Fear of being labeled a socialist or Marxist or whatever. Right. So we just say, I'm not going to even talk about truth or confession of forgiveness because I don't want to be labeled. And that's fear driving that. But we got to embrace what God has said. We've not been given a spirit of fear, mm. but of love, power, and self-control or a sound mind. And so it's love that conquers it. It's the power that we have to overcome it. And it's the self-control that allows me to have conversations without losing my mind when somebody says something right. weird or I can engage <laughs> in that. And, and so uh, I think we got to just get back to recognizing that, dude, we serve, we serve the awesome, only, wise, powerful God. And so when we recognize that, then we can say, look, let's just talk about it. And, and if you love me the way you're called to love me, you're not going to label me. And even if you do label me, you don't proclaim value over me. Mm. My value and work comes from God alone. So, yeah. Absolutely. And when people say, you know, you brought up that idea of being called, you know, a socialist or, you know, radical or anything like that. And be like, no, man, I'm just a Christian, man. This is what I believe my Christian values are right. influencing me to do because I've experienced this. Well, you're scared. Of, are you going to just call me a, a conservative right mm-hmm. wing yeah. and all the names that come along with that? And it's like, you know what? No, I'm going to stop living in fear. Mm. But I'm going to make sure that the words that I speak are rooted in the Bible. You know, it's not mm. just what I think. It's what... The word of God says, and God's called me to confess my sins and to confess whatever issues so there can be reconciliation. Yeah, absolutely. And you got and you forgive me. It's not like forgiveness is not optional. You, you got to forgive me. Mm-hmm. And then we got to walk this thing out. And our relationship may never be the same, but at least it's been restored. 
Right. You know, a portion of that has been restored. So it's hard though, bro. Yeah. That's one of the things yeah. I heard that was really interesting was someone was talking about, you know, God is bringing together people of every tribe, tongue, and nation. And and that's what eternity is going to be comprised of. Right. And he goes, is the way you're living going to be awkward when you come face to face with some of the people you talked about or some of the ways you thought about people? Is that going to be awkward? And it's like, you don't want that to be awkward. <laughs> <laughs> you got eternity together. <laughs> Better get it right now so it's not yeah, awkward. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Love and, and walk in reconciliation and, and acknowledging like, man, God is doing something greater than ideology, greater than nation, greater than history. Yes. Right? Yes. He's doing something amazing. And the question is, are we going to be labeled by what he calls us or by what we want to identify with on earth? Right. right. And which one lasts forever? Right. <laughs> what are you investing right. in, you know? Yeah. Amen. So do you think Columbus is the heart of the issue on this question? Okay. Yes and no. Hmm. I say yes because Columbus Day for many represents oppression, mm-hmm. theft, <laughs> uh, mistreatment, and the marginalization of other people. That's what it represents. So you say yes. But then it's no, that's not, there's a heart issue. Mm-hmm. People are in pain. People are hurting because that stuff didn't just happen then. It's happening now. All right. So think of um, Columbus Day almost as something like PTSD for people. It triggers, oh, this is how this country thinks about Native Americans and African Americans and Asian mm-hmm. Americans. This is, for anybody who's non-white, this is what this country thinks about us. Mm-hmm especially black folks, because, you know, we weren't native to this land, mm-hmm. nor were we given citizenship, you know, in the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, and everybody else was given that except us. And, and so you think people hear Columbus Day, it unpacks a whole lot of hurt and pain. So yes, it's the issue, but no, it's not. It's, I got, people have to deal with this pain that they've gone through, what they're dealing with, um, and, and recognize that here's the thing. And, and I'm not saying, you know, people use the gospel as a scapegoat. Oh, if you just accept Christ, everything's going to be okay. Mm. It's like, no, here's the thing. If you, if you make that individual decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, what comes along with that is a communal responsibility to love other people. Mm. So there is a communal issue and a individual issue that's going on within the gospel. Right. How that all works out is crazy to me. But there is a spiritual and social thing going on in the gospel where Jesus is like, look, when you accept me, I need you to be discipled in living out all that I have taught and commanded. Mm. And that's love the Father, love other people. You may not like the day or the name of the day, and I know it brings up all this hurt, but can you still love? Look at the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do in terms of creating a narrative that doesn't really display or talk about the truth. Forgive them for that, Mm. and let's try to move forward in redemptive relationship. Father, forgive them for the mistreatment, the heinous mistreatment of Native Americans in stealing land. Father, forgive them, for they knew not what they did, but what they meant for evil, you now have meant for good. Mm. And you've given us in this country the ability to not only love and worship you in spirit and in truth, but in freedom, and then go around the country and around the world and share the gospel in places that are closed off places. 
And at the same time, the irony is that now this country has probably the biggest mission field, and we have the freedom to share the gospel. Mm. And, and you're like, God, how'd you do all that? I don't know. You can transform evil I'm, for good. I'm finite. I don't know. Mm. But we have to believe that in God's permissive will, somehow he works it out for his perfect will to be accomplished. Right. So, yeah. Man. Okay. I was, oh. dude, I was like, let's go. I'm, I'm preaching, man. You're going. This is one I cup love of coffee, it. you know what I mean? Just one? <laughs> Just one. <laughs> That's, wow. <laughs> so how do we go about doing that, though? How do we go about walking in a heart of reconciliation today because you, you mentioned that communal as we see what happens in acts right it's not just confined to those who followed jesus and they just kind of kept their little holy huddle and that was it but they went out into the society and they started transforming it and they started sharing and they and as everyone who was a part of it you know they're sharing and they're being a part of a community and then the outside community is like what has happened that is we haven't seen that before and then it transforms jerusalem right and you see it now transform the world 2000 years later. And so how, how do we go about doing that though? Cause we saw transformation in scripture. We hear about transformation and how it should be communal. You just talked about how we should love our neighbors and walk like that, but how do we do it today? Yeah. So, you know, transform people, transform people. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I love about, and this may be a little cheesy, you know, here at Sand Hills, you know, we have this process, this idea that if you, you know, experience God and, and experience his awesomeness, that leads to transformation. But also then you connect to people. You choose community. And not only do you choose community, then you change the world through serving and outreach. And not only do you do that, then you multiply yourself. And if you do all of that, now you're Christ-centered. And I think when mm. you come into this conversation with the Christ-centered life and a Christ-centered mentality, or at least on the upward trajectory of being Christ-centered, then you're able to approach this conversation with love, grace, mercy, you know, compassion. I think also when you begin to experience God, you realize that in the kingdom of God, Jesus would often take those who are marginalized, and when they came to him, not only would he, you know, their faith would be renewed in him, he would give them their dignity back. Mm. the God-given dignity that was taken away by people, Christ gave it back to them. And now John 20, 21 says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you to not only be uh, proclaimers of the gospel, but give people their dignity back because they're made in the Mm. image of God. And so once we start to realize that that's what the kingdom of God is about, not just helping people thrive, but giving them this God-given dignity, affirming it mm-hmm. and saying, look, no, pick your head up. This is who you are. You are fearfully and wonderfully made to give God glory. This is who you are and this is who I am. So now we come in from two different worlds and we have these conversations. Mm-hmm. And we recognize, okay, it's Columbus Day. Is it Indigenous People Day? You know what? At the end of the day, it's God's day. Mm-hmm. That every time I step foot and I live, it's a day where I can live to glorify God. I don't care what the world changes the day to. God calls mm. me to be an instrument of righteousness to help the heart change. And then we got to be more concerned about changing hearts. Because you change the day, you change the narrative, people can still devalue you and not care about you even if you change the story. 
Mm. They don't care. They didn't care before. They're not going to all of a sudden care because you changed the story. But if you change the heart, then they'll start to care. Yeah. So I think we got to start looking at the heart of the issue and not the fruit of the issue. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think one of the places on, on that mindset, it starts in your conversation with a friend. Yeah. Starts in just bringing up the topic, talking about it, and not, not letting people just make jokes about it. Right. Yeah. And so when we have these intentional conversations and with someone who's like even just walking by who's from a marginalized community or historically marginalized community, yeah. right? Here's you talking about like, I've no one has ever talked like that. Right. About my people. Because you care. You demonstrate you care. And then they'll come, yeah. and then that, that is the amazing thing, is you never know when something as simple as just acknowledging or talking about it and having these kind of Christ-centered conversations where we allow Christ to inform the conversation instead of ideology inform yeah. the conversation, the, the, the things that can happen, mm-hmm. that when someone comes up to you on the lunch break and is like, hey, man, I heard you talking about this. Can you tell me more about it? Right. Boom, gospel. Right. Because they get it. They realize that, okay, you're not like everybody else. Mm-hmm. You're not beating me up or you're not being dismissive about it. Mm-hmm. I think we have to own it. This, yo, our country started from a very, very sinful state. Mm-hmm. And we'll say, no, the country was founded on Christian principles. That don't make it Christian. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, just because it's founded, if you're not living it out, mm-hmm. If you, you can have the right doctrine and the wrong ethic, mm-hmm. right? And so, yeah, they may have had the right doctrine, but they had the wrong ethic. They lived it out wrong. Yeah. And we got to say, let's just acknowledge it. All of us at one point, even in our Christian, no matter how mature we are, can have the right doctrine, and yet we don't always live it out. Mm. I mean, if you ask any preacher, you preach a sermon, you're preaching something that you're probably not even living out yourself because it's a struggle. Mm. Doesn't prevent you from proclaiming truth. Right. The way you feel or your current condition doesn't prevent you or should not prevent you from proclaiming truth. Mm-hmm. And so when people see that you care, they're like, okay, that's different. Why? Because we're dwelling among them. Mm-hmm. And I read somewhere else in the book where the word became flesh and dwelled among us. You see Jesus hanging out with us. Mm-hmm. He says to the blind man, what do you want? Like, talk to me. Let's, let's have a conversation. And I would say to those watching, listening, like, what do you want? Do you want uh, uh, to see an ethnically restored country? Do you want to see an ethnically um, unified church? Tell them what you want. Mm. And if what you want lines up with the heart of God, be hopeful that you'll get it. Mm. And have those conversations with people because don't have fear. We got to start walking in this faith for real, for real. Absolutely. Yeah. And let it impact every part of our life. Every part. Christ-centered. That's it. Because it's transformative. It is. It, and one of the, the beautiful things, there's, there's, this, there's this, tru- this truth that you see throughout Scripture where individual sin has corporate consequences. Man, go ahead. Preach it. But individual righteousness mm-hmm. will also have corporate consequences yes. Yes. in the opposite direction. Yes, when we choose to live in light of the totally transformed life that Christ brings us and we start living for another kingdom, yes. it will change the earthly kingdom that we live in. Yes. Because we're changing people's hearts. Facts. As we walk. Truth. Church. 
There it is. There it is. Man, I'm so thankful we got to have this conversation. This is a good conversation. Because a lot of people don't know how to start the conversation, don't know if they can jump into the conversation, don't know if it's appropriate for them to even be a part of it. And I think that this picture, the painting that we looked at first, with that big old cross in it, Mm -hmm. if we call ourselves Christians, we can walk into this conversation and talk about it. For sure. Because it's part of our past. It is. And it's it's a testimony. Mm. You can't go back and change it. It's a testimony. Mm. And if we approach it that way, man, look, this is what God can do. He can, whether you like Columbus or not, okay, what does that got to do with Jesus? Mm. Let's, Let's talk about that. How does that impact your life in terms of Columbus Day? What does that do? And if it hurts you, I know the one that can heal you. Mm. You know, if it if it excites you because yeah, my people are the best. I know somebody that can humble you. Mm. But if he humbles you, he still he will still exalt you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so um, we just can't be fearful and have we have to have these conversations if we want to be what God's called us to be. We have to have these conversations. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Malcolm. Amen. Thank you, Pastor John. It's a blessing, man. And we got to do this again real soon. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Cool. Thank you for tuning in to this production from Sandhills Media Ministry. This episode was produced and hosted by John Dayback. Audio mixing and camera work by Sean Wigner. Post-production by Eric Wigner. Our song is Same Blood Instrumental by King's Kaleidoscope. Special thanks to our guest, Malcolm Walls. 